if you hire and recruit like-minded people, you're a step ahead because you have a much, much stronger chance of succeeding. So if you can make it clear to people outside of your world what your company stands for, what your purpose is, what your values are, then it's easier for you to attract people who believe in the same things and see the world through the same pair of eyes as you do. And then you have a head start. Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind that both employees and customers love and support. And thank you to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, real-time operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, and how we grow our businesses to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. In this episode, we'll be talking about the labor crisis in hospitality. And for that, we have a great guest, Marco Reich, who is the People and Talent Director for CUTE. We start the conversation talking about what CUTE priorities are as they are reopening their brands and how they're setting themselves up for success. We take a deep dive into the staffing crisis, what Marco also calls the Grey Rhino event, which is in a highly probable, high impact and yet neglected event. And Marco explains, it's always important to create great employee experience, but that's not enough any longer. The problem is bigger than what you as an industry, but also as an individual business, can solve yourself. The government needs to be involved to create more flow of workforce from outside the UK. We talk about how tech is part of the solution, and Marco makes it clear, less is more. You have to think about how tech is impacting the employee experience and how it actually adds value to their life. He gives his view on how hospitality will look the next 12 to 18 months and he is very optimistic about the times ahead. We just need the talent to back it up. Along the way, we visit many other subjects, leadership in crisis, technology's role in customer experience, recruitment, employer branding and much more. Before you tune in, please sign up to our weekly newsletter on hospitalitymavericks.com packed with more Maverick insights, strategies and tools. Now grab notebook, pen, coffee and let's get started i'm really excited about talking about today's conversation because actually uh, it builds probably a bit from a conversation i had with uh, marco reich about a year ago so marco is back again where we talked about uh, in early in the pandemic how companies should actually manage this situation i get the most out of it and which kind of Work cultures will actually, you know, really thrive on the other side. And we and we're already there touched about there was potentially a talent crisis in the hospitality industry. And we didn't know 100% where we go, but we, we thought, both of us, there would be probably some challenges as we start to reopen again. And it seems like now this is a very relevant topic. We talked about it and Marco joined me on Friday in in clubhouse as well and all over the globe there was some kind of talent crisis going on depending on regions some had bigger issues than others um and also it became very clear in in these conversations because mark also put a piece out on linkedin uh about uh is there a, a gray rhino in the room and he will probably come back and talk a bit more about that 
And also, do we actually have enough labor actually to move forward? There's so many unanswered questions. But today, we, we want to try and cover that, but also talk a bit about how do we actually then make it, you know, how do we fix the challenge, the problem? And how do we do our best as a hospitality business going forward with that? So with that said, welcome to the uh, the show, Marco. It's a great pleasure to have you back. Almost a year after the last conversation. Almost a year. Hello, Michael. And uh, thanks for having me back um, after all this time. Uh, a lot's happened in the last 12 months, right? Yeah. And, and, and you changed changed a bit of role as well. You have changed. Uh, you're back as a people director. Maybe you want to give the elevator pitch yourself and what you're doing now. Yeah. So I, uh, I joined Coot or Sisban, uh, more like Sisban is the parent company uh, who I work for. Coot uh, is part of of the Sisban portfolio. Um, I joined the company sort of slap bang in the middle of uh, lockdown one, uh, and there was a bit of a baptism of fire. Uh, because we obviously had the, the same challenges that everybody else uh, had, um, and, and 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 all the while we're trying to keep a business afloat, uh, keep our people engaged and happy, and, uh, and 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 our customers ideally as well. So, yeah, we operate uh, both in the UK and uh, internationally, mainly in the Middle East. The majority of the sites uh, are in the Middle East. We operate, I say we mainly invest in so sysban is an investment vehicle um for the hospitality industry um we uh, invest in lots of different uh, businesses uh, in the uk you would probably would have uh, would have heard of by chloe the gentleman baristas uh, the lebanese bakery and then um there is a new really really exciting bakery concept that we are just about to be launching it's called chestnut uh, uh if you haven't done so already go onto instagram have a look at chestnut bakery opening on elizabeth street in Bergravia on the 17th of may finally we were ready to open a long while ago but obviously what was the point so we thought uh, by the time we're allowed to let people into our beautiful building uh, and, and let them taste our amazing baked goods uh, and and food as well it's not just bakery you can get like lunches and uh, and, and dinners as well uh, we're really quite excited about it we've got three sites lined up for chestnut bakery already for this year so by this by the autumn there'll be three sites in london and one abroad as, uh, already and then yeah hopefully that's the beginning of a great journey but yeah that's what we do in a nutshell that's very interesting because uh you have this portfolio business but what is it in in, in where you are now operating international what is the, the top business priorities right now for you as as you are trying to find the, a way back into the, the new normal do you know what the the focus has sort of shifted throughout and and i haven't since since i started uh 12 months ago I haven't really had business as usual yet. Uh, so that focus has shifted all along. So initially, we've we had to restructure the company. Uh, we effectively had to restructure the company again uh, after the first restructure, uh, which is probably not that uncommon. But also, given the fact that we operate in different territories, different countries have had different 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 version versions of this pandemic so we uh did, you know Saudi Arabia which is our biggest market uh they effectively they closed the country down uh in May last year and all those saudis who would normally spend their money in Europe uh in the summer they would spend it 
within. So actually within the country, they had relative freedom for a long period of time, which means that we've actually posted some really good results despite the pandemic initially, because all those Saudis stayed in Saudi Arabia, um, which, which was quite good. But at the same time, in terms of the top priorities, the main thing right now is in all of the markets across uh, uh, across the territories that we operate in is to get the businesses ready, to get the people ready, to get the people ready uh, to make sure that the customers are uh, having the best possible experience because, let's face it, I, I don't know, you probably think the same, Michael. Um, I have to say I was so looking forward to going to the pub again um, and obviously you don't want to be disappointed, right? So, uh, you know, it, so therefore it's just it's just amazing to be part of active hospitality life again. And we don't want to disappoint anyone. We want to make sure that people want to come back and can't wait to come back. So we have in the last few months uh, run programs uh, across all of our businesses, uh, all of the businesses that we invest in, to make sure that everybody is um, is ready and the best they can possibly be. So we want to delight our customers. We want to get the teams engaged and excited. Um, even though the lockdown three, I have to say, uh, was probably the most difficult one in terms of team engagement, um, because there's probably a little bit of lockdown fatigue that has set in. But overall, look, you know, the teams are ready. People, by and large, wanted to come back, uh, wanted to come back from Colorado, wanted to come back to work. We did what we could to to support them. So we've done, we've run a lot of programs, a comeback confident campaign, which is still ongoing, um, which we run across our internal social media, uh, which is uh, centered around number one, confidence in knowledge, uh, number two, confidence in safety, and then thirdly, feeling confident. So it's all about retraining. It's about COVID, uh, COVID safety. And it's about what's going on in your head to make sure that you're mentally prepared for uh, for this brave new world that we're facing. Have you guys, as you uh, work on these campaigns, being also been looking at the people journey you had and said, okay, we actually need to redesign that people journey and people strategy around our business to make it work in the new world, no matter how well we actually can predict the new world? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? We... It's, Everybody thought they were they were really good on things like online learning, for example. But you know, I don't know how many people can actually, with hindsight, say, "Yeah, we were amazing already." Uh, so therefore, there's nothing that we had to add because we had all of the infrastructure in place to make sure that our people could learn everything in a different way. So we certainly couldn't. So we had to invest a lot in our in our online learning platforms to make sure that we we deliver the content in a really exciting and engaging way because I think even online learning uh, has been on a journey for years and years and years and it's not you know I remember when it first started it was it was all very dry and uh, you know you're going through the motions and ticking boxes whereas these days there are um, systems and programs out there um, where you can engage people in a much more interactive way you know short snappy video content that is uh, that is a lot easier to digest um, so we've worked hard on sort of every project that we normally never had time to, all these great ideas that we've had, um, we put into practice. So we effectively overhauled all of our online learning to make sure that it's fit for purpose. We, interestingly, we uh, we sought 
feedback from our teams, not just on the online learning, but also on how we engage with them, the benefits that they get, etc. Um, but it was a time to take stock. So we've aligned the people culture to this new world uh, in an ongoing process, uh, resulting then in the end in making sure actually what this is all about is you as the individual, we need to take you by the hand. We need to make sure that all together as one team, you're going to be the best you could possibly be uh, when we reopen our restaurants so you can delight our customers um, and you feel good about it too. So this that, that was sort of the overarching goal and um, we're working hard to achieve that. Within that, had uh, has been things in the way you, for example, recruit that you had to think very differently because we, we in a moment we're also going to talk about the talent crisis as I mentioned in the beginning. But have you really need to start rethinking how you actually did things as well within the people practices, not only in the strategic approach? There are really practical things like uh, you know obviously you know recruiting is a, is a really good example, Michael. That um, you can't really meet people face to face as you as you would before um so we've we've done that largely online uh largely through videos um and in 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 new ways that we would wouldn't have considered appropriate before and guess what it works somehow so uh, you know there are i think there are learnings for everyone in this where where we probably would have poo-pooed the idea of uh, running an online uh, recruitment process. I know some some companies um, are more akin to that than others, but um, we, yeah, yeah, we've, we've learned that way and we learned to do it right, learned to do it in a way that it's still engaging for the, for the applicant on a recruit, on a, on the recruitment side, because you've got to bear in mind that yeah, I always think the, Every applicant is also a customer, and we want them. Even if, even if, unfortunately, there are no, um, which happens, then we want them still to feel good about themselves, and uh, still feel good about us as a company and, and as a potential employer that they unfortunately uh, didn't manage to be successful with. But it's about building relationships with people. That's what we do, right? And uh, it's quite easy uh, to get that wrong if it's an online process. Uh, because it, it could potentially be a bit transactional. Uh, so, you know, the artist, I suppose, to make it personable, as personable as possible, um, even though you don't meet in person. You have already talked to Marco about, you know, uh, online learning has uh, evolved with technology. We just touched on the, the recruitment process. And then we know that from, from the fact in the, the first part of the pandemic, you know, a lot of... Uh, Restaurant businesses really rushed to get their customer journey uh, digitalized. And now you have all these revenue streams that suddenly has created all the pandemic. Before a restaurant, you can only go in and order. Suddenly you can order in three different ways. You can eat at home and you can cook with them at home and so on and so on. It, will that also reflect on, on the people journey, you believe, that technology is going to play an integral part as we move forward, more than it already have done? And actually it's going to help us with the, the heavy lifting of the, the heavy people uh practices sometimes yeah but i i think very much so i mean the the art will then be you, you can easily overload people with technology as well so um i i very much believe in simplicity so in an ideal scenario i would have one app say for for team members uh, and have every other system integrated into that to make sure that i have a the same great experience for our own people that I would uh, that would invest in 
for customers. I wouldn't expect a customer to use three or four different apps um, uh, when they're when they're in store. I'd, I'd, I'd do my homework and make sure that um, that they have a great experience. So. Uh, the same principle should apply to team members as well. So why why should a team member use four or five different apps? Um, so you know I think it's important to make sure that we we invest in in the right tech that we can integrate. So we have a great experience for the team member as well. Because there are you've got to bear in mind everybody uses different kinds of systems. So you have your your HR system where you would have your normal database, your maybe your payslips uh, coming through that, your absence requests, your your rotors and shifts uh, are on there, you're clocking in and out. Um, that may be one, that may be two systems already. So um, you're good if it's one. Uh, but then you have a comm system uh, on top of that. Uh, you would uh, you then, you know, we ha- we use um, uh, um, Hasty Pay uh, as well. We've just introduced that uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, we do our bit for team members' financial well-being as well. So that's another app. Um, so you have then you have your training app. Uh, so potentially before you start, a team member has five apps on their phone for work. So it's not something that I would expect a customer to go through, and I don't think it's a great experience. So therefore, uh, you know, it's up to us to make sure that uh, that there is a great experience for the team member, and that it's easy for them to uh, to get the most out of these uh, these systems. So they should be seamless. They should be integrated. Um, and, and it's difficult to uh, to have that in in one solution. So, so yeah, it'll it'll be a big big part. But you're right on the on the on the customer journey as well. I've mentioned at the beginning we're opening uh, Chestnut uh, Bakery in Belgravia, and we we actually want to provide a service which is sort of it's based around the idea of the baker's dozen, really, which is which is obviously thirteen, so always a little bit extra. Uh, so we want to 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 do a little bit more for customers and and therefore offer customers the choice of the style of service that they prefer because you mentioned quite rightly all of a sudden tech has entered the customer journey in a way that we didn't quite see see coming that quickly it's now the norm that you have qr codes you know they've had a big renaissance uh you know qr codes on tables and you can order from there so how far do you take it um how much or how little to human interaction are you going to have in a table service setting um, and we we want to achieve actually a, a, um, a scenario whereby it's the customer it's up to the customer the customer can choose to order from a human or order online or through an app or from the QR code we just need to help customers understand the journey so it's really easy for them but uh, but yeah so therefore the jury's out probably because so much tech has now entered the arena um now let's uh let the battle begin yeah and it's going to be very interesting because i believe it, it can become as big as even at the customer journey to to digitalize the, the the employee journey i think it's very interesting you come from it with that perspective of it has to be as good as a journey as the customers because again you're creating an experience for the employees and it's a very interesting dilemma you brought up with the number of apps i, I can see that as well because how many apps do you want to look log into when you go to work one you don't want to log into five so again yeah that's a very interesting very challenge coming ahead and, and you, you see it as, as an integral part but but then I, I want us to, to move the conversation because tech can be maybe be part of this uh, challenge we are we are facing now because there's a there's a big gray rhino in front of us you said and I, i'm gonna let you explain what you mean with that but it, we we have a talent crisis uh 
it seems like now as we start, you wrote that article, there's been a number of other people. And actually, funny enough, this morning, I've seen three different articles in Propel, Peter Backman, talking about staff shortages. It's a short time, it's a long term, and they're especially focusing on London. But what, what is your perspective, Marco, uh, from a talent crisis point of view? Oh, right. So, you know, the thing is, uh, so I wrote this article and I uh, the reason why I wrote this article is 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 because I experienced it firsthand and I thought we need to make a little bit of noise. It, it, it's just get getting quite frustrating. The thing is, the reason why I called it a, a, a grey rhino is because uh, for those who don't know, a grey rhino event is an event that you can see coming, whereas a black swan event takes you by surprise so black swan comes ta-da, there's a crisis like there's an argument you know is this pandemic a black swan event or not um you know it's the same argument goes for the 2008-9 financial crisis was it a black swan or was it a gray rhino i am 100 confident that the talent crisis that the uk hospitality is facing is a gray rhino event and when the time comes Nobody can say we didn't see it coming because I remember having conversations not just months ago, but years ago. And then if you go back a few years and look at what's happened since, then it's quite easy to assume next steps, what's going to happen in the next few months. So a few years ago, or just say pre-pandemic, right? So the economy is booming. The UK is growing. You know, people are coming to the UK from Europe um, and a free movement of people is still in place. Um, the situation that we found ourselves in is that the hospitality industry has been growing quite significantly uh, over the last 15, 20 years and has continued to grow its share as you know, one of the biggest, the third largest employer by number of employees in the UK, over 3 million people working in the hospitality industry, massive contributions to the exchequer. Um, so that's been happening over time. And all throughout that time, ever since I have worked in the hospitality industry, there was never a time where me and my colleagues would have said, you know what, recruiting is the easiest thing on the planet because of all these people who are available. That's not happened. I, I, I genuinely don't recall that ever, that, that everybody was going, like, oh, look at all these chefs. We have, you know, amazing people that are, that are available. They just weren't. So pre-pandemic, it's boomtown. We don't have enough people. We didn't, and I keep hammering on about this, we didn't have a skill shortage. I mean, we did as well, but we predominantly had a labor shortage pre-pandemic. We had not enough people in order to meet the supply to the hospitality industry. We needed more people, particularly in London and the Southeast. Now, London and the Southeast was pretty much in full employment. Um, other areas around the UK um, had some unemployment, but you've got to bear in mind, remind yourself, like a year and a bit ago, we had the lowest unemployment since the 1960s in this country. So... It's not that we had too many people looking for jobs. We were always looking for jobs. What's happened since is, is the fact that I think the pandemic acts as a disguise. It's this veil that's been thrown over everything else that's happening in the economy, in politics, etc. So we've forgotten that actually 
there were big, big warnings about what ending free movement after we leave the EU would do to the hospitality industry. And the questions weren't really answered. They weren't really answered. You know, a lot of a lot of lobbying's been done, and yes, some small uh, some small steps have been celebrated, i.e., lowering the threshold, the income threshold, um, widening the occupation list uh, to have more jobs on there. But was it ever going to be enough? I don't think it was. You know, it's because the reality is. If you look at £25,600 threshold, uh, and if you look at the occupation list, so the person who works on the counter in Pret, in Café Nero, in Lyon, wherever, in London, who are they and where do they come from? And I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here saying we, we, we exploit people and whatever. I'm talking about giving people opportunities because this is not, you know, it's clearly an entry-level job. And uh, it, it falls below the £25,600 uh, threshold. Uh, companies need those jobs in order to, uh, to stay afloat because it's a, we're a relatively low margin industry anyway. And, and it's a stepping stone because, you know, there's a lot of criticism from people in other industries who are saying, oh, just pay them more. You know, you're exploiting foreign labor. I, d- I don't see it that way at all, because the one thing that the hospitality industry can, can really be proud of is the fact that we provide opportunities for people to move through the ranks and i know so many examples firsthand of people who've moved from that counter role or wherever but the first rung of the ladder all the way up into directorships etc so i think the big question is where are these people going to come from now and 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 clearly new entrants to the uk don't qualify according to the new immigration system so we're going to have to deal with a pool that uh, uh, that we have available in the uk um, and unfortunately that pool is shrinking we have according to the office for national statistics lost uh, nearly a million people in the uk last year nearly a million people uh, and several hundred thousand have left uh, have left london alone um, so the population of London has fallen below 9 million um, and, and it's the first uh, decline in population in London since the 1980s. And they're massive things and we don't talk about it. So, uh, you, know, you know, the reminder is we had an issue with not enough people before. Now nearly a million people have left the country. Uh, it's not offset by by unemployment. It isn't because unemployment hasn't risen as much as we thought. I mean, yes, uh, of all of the jobs that were lost in the in the UK, nearly half have been lost in the UK hospitality industry. But then we've also set up redeployment hubs uh, last year, um, helping people to find jobs who sadly lost their jobs uh, in other industries. And we have actively, effectively promoted a move away from the hospitality industry. Um, and as a result, now I know firsthand that a lot of them aren't coming back. And again, that's another issue. So uh, they would be the people that I'm talking about. So, um, so yeah, that, that's what I that, that's what I uh, wrote the article about. And it sounds a bit doom and gloom. I'm fully, fully aware of it. I'm totally aware of it. But there's my point is, of course, you can look after your people. Of course, we have to look after our people. It's 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 no longer optional, but we all know that. And I keep I keep saying this, 
you cannot compare the hospitality industry of, of 2021 or 2020 to, to the reputation that hospitality, the hospitality industry still has from 20 years ago. It's a changed industry. You know, you just have to look at uh, the Sunday Times best, empl- best companies to work for. It's full of hospitality employers. And, uh, you know, even in the top 10 or at the very top, you know, all the time. So we really, I think, got our act together. We got our house in order. Um, and, and therefore, you can't say that, that this is a terrible industry to work in. It's not. But it's full of opportunities. It's fun. It, it's an amazing place to be. It really is very rewarding. But the long and short of it is, if we want to continue to grow our industry and provide opportunities for people and put more money into the exchequer for the government, then we need more people. You know, and immigration is necessary for that. Uh, and, and at the moment, I just don't see a way around making that happen. The current system doesn't support it. So that was my point. Sounds a bit of a rant, doesn't it? No, 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 but, uh, because I think it's quite important to get that perspective because we almost forgot a bit about Brexit and the consequences from, from a labor point of view and what it will do to, to many businesses that's very dependent on that labor coming in, to, if it, even if it's not restaurants. I think I've heard from even from tech startups people that they also struggle getting you know the right people in the country. And now maybe they can still work remotely, but they still have to build a culture in the end of the day. So they would like to have their people coming into some kind of office or something at some point. So it's not only in the hospitality industry, I've heard that this is a challenge. But another thing I was thinking as you you, you were you were laying out the foundation here for, for your thinking is that, you know, is is it a do, do you still think that people you mentioned 20 years ago and I can remember McDonald's running, I was at McDonald's at that time, the MacJob campaign across Europe in, in different formats. It was all about actually changing the perception of how it was to work at McDonald's. Do you think actually we ever got that changed in hospitality? Is that just because we believe it ourselves we changed it? But out in the, the wider world, people still think that working in hospitality is not very good and you're not treated very well. Do you know what? You're, you're taking the words out of my mouth. It is so refreshing to actually, we're quite good at telling, our, uh, quite good at telling ourselves how great we are. Uh, we really are. <laughs> and actually, I think we have so much to shout about. We've come a long way. But uh, I've been working in this industry all my life. And we've been having this same conversation ever since I worked in this industry. Right? How we have a bad reputation uh, and how it's so difficult to recruit from outside of the industry into the into the industry most people fall into the industry rather than come into it by choice and they sort of get same with me you know i i just got stuck in hospitality as well it was not my desire uh, but uh, i just fell in love with it but then the, the you know we've been having that same conversation for for such a long time and i i remember the first this was years ago uh, when I was at the restaurant group the very first um, graduate fair that we did when we when we put a new graduate scheme together so we the idea was that we for this very same reason and this you're going back I don't know at least 10 years or so for this very same reason we wanted to recruit people from outside the industry industry fresh university leavers not hospitality colleges just any university we want to, re- to recruit people into hospitality operations through an attractive graduate program and we did but the interesting thing is we 
were the first careers fair, and I will never forget, we were wedged between KPMG and Aldi. Now, at the time, I mean, everybody, everybody who leaves university, you know, lots of people want to go and work for KPMG. So they have this massive crowd uh, outside their stand. And the same goes for Aldi, because they famously gave every graduate an, an Audi A4. Uh, so forty thousand pounds and an Audi A4. So we had we had these these flocks of people coming to KPMG and to Aldi, and we were in between uh, with the restaurant group. It's like some of the one of the biggest companies nobody's ever heard of, right? And we were basically sort of the, the holding and waiting area for KPMG and Aldi, and offering coffees and sweets to people who wanted a job elsewhere. But the opportunity was we got talking to people. And we were able to educate people in 30 seconds to do the old elevator pitch as to, rather than one of these two big boys, how about consider consider this? You know, consider in 18 months' time, you manage a team of up to 30 people with one and a half million annual turnover. Uh, you're in charge of that. You, uh, your earning, uh, earnings potential is actually not too dissimilar uh, what you get next door. So, um, and you, uh, I promise you a lot of fun rather than uh, just sweeping the car park. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah. and a lot of people sat up and listened and people who had never considered a career in hospitality all of a sudden became a target. And we hired some fantastic people. Um, some of them uh, are still there uh, from from the early days. And uh, there's some great success stories. And and one of the guys who I mentored has now become a dear friend uh, since. So it's, you know, it's great when you talk to people. It's not that far-fetched to suggest to somebody, look, consider a career in hospitality. But it's difficult for us as an industry to get that voice heard in schools and, and, and universities, I suppose, um, because we all chip away at it, um, you know, and, and do our best. But I just still think there are, you know, so many stigmas attached. You know, last year's was this, uh, it was last year, Cato.com's uh, 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 survey that what nearly 90% of all school leavers had not been spoken to about career in uh, a career in the hospitality industry by their careers advisor. So if that's still the case in 2020, then, you know, we need to, we need to have a serious conversation about this because this is, this is one route to tackle the problem that I'm talking about. But bear in mind, that will take years, years. So I'm all for giving young people an opportunity. Amazing, awesome, bring it on, you know, now. But, but it's not, on its own, it's not going to solve the problem. Yeah, because that's, again, a long term. It's like building in the reputation of the industry. And, and there's also now, there's been a situation where everybody has looked at the industry. You know, everybody, that I'm a parent myself, and parents has to advise their kids to do what to do in the future. No, oh, I would love to go and do some hospitality. No, 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 go and join the tech industry. I can almost hear the dinner table conversation uh, turns around. Um, and funny enough, my nephew and niece, they are one of them at Finney University, and she is... Uh, uh, I can't even understand what this is going to go and do. It is something very intelligent with psychology and nanotechnology. And that's what's, and she's never, I asked her at one point just for fun, are you going to join the hospitality industry? Because she worked in her young years in some, some restaurants environment. No, no, no. I'm going to go and do that because uh, I know there's a future. And it's interesting. They actually believe there's no future in the industry, many of the young people. And I think that's a challenge again, again, uh, perception. You said I didn't know it was 90% of people that didn't, 
get the conversation about that restaurants is actually a career as well. But yeah, yeah, this, I think it was anywhere somewhere between eighty nine and ninety one percent or whatever of of uh, school leavers who had not been spoken to about careers in the hospitality industry. I, 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 it was a survey that Cater.com uh, commissioned last year. Um, I hope I'm quoting it correctly, but it's 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 a, it's that significant a number, um, which which leaves a lot of uh, room for improvement, right? But but yeah no you're right you know in the last twelve months uh, you've heard a lot about hospitality but you haven't uh, heard a lot a lot of good news about hospitality so yeah if you're a school leaver now you'd go hunky dory I'm going to go and work for the industry that's been battered <laughs> so uh, yeah yeah there are probably safer bets but that that said I I have to say and this is why there are so many good messages that we uh, that we need to talk about you know. As I said, it sounds a bit doom and gloom, and I sound a little bit like I'm ranting. The reality is also, I genuinely believe that there are a ton of opportunities coming up for the hospitality sector to be booming yet again. I, I really do think so, um, because you know the one thing is I was quite. I think I think if you compare hospitality to retail, for example, the um, the Arcadia takeover deal to me was such a big moment where you actually think, do you know what, this this says a lot about the, the direction of these two different industries because to buy Arcadia without any of the assets, just the brands, tells you a lot about the direction of where, where retail is going, that um, the, the high street retail is, is playing a much more minor role in the future, whereas hospitality doesn't work like that. I think over the past 12 months, Fair enough. We everybody, you know, Deliveroo, uh, Deliveroo, and others have uh, are reaping the rewards, uh, and they've been growing, and they've been keeping companies going, and they've been keeping customers supplied with meals, which is amazing. But I, you know, I don't think that's a trend that's going to continue in that direction uh, because we're opening up again, and and people can go into a pub, into a restaurant, and that's what hospitality is all about. You need to feel it, right? It's. I mean, it was great that we had meal kits at home and um, delivery to our doorstep, restaurant food delivered to our doorstep. And some of it will probably stick. But I mean, I, I'm just talking about myself and, and everybody I know. Uh, I'd much rather be in a restaurant, whether it's indoors or outdoors, with people, socialize and have the experience and feel it. You know, that's uh, that's what hospitality is all about. Hospitality is a feeling. And you can't provide that online anywhere near uh, to the same effect that you could uh, uh, in in a bricks and mortar business. So therefore, I think genuinely hospitality will. Uh, I put my house on it. Hospitality is going to have a great time. Uh, there will be you know people. I see it already. You know, you try and book a you try and book a, a, a table in a pub at the moment. Good luck, right? So and that's amazing. It's amazing. Now, we wouldn't want to have it any other way. So, um, you know, good luck to every hospitality operator because I think, uh, you know, there's certainly going to be demand uh, and there are opportunities for hospitality operators to grow. We just need the talent to back it up. We talked about on the last conversation, we talked a lot about culture and values and leadership approach from uh, going from a command and control to a, a more bottom-up approach, but also called permission to operate. Actually, you feel that you, you have some freedom to, to work. Is, is, how do, is that a way forward for, for many hospitality businesses to become more attractive? Because we are quite good at that human thing when we get it right, also on the people journey. 
also you mentioned the last time that there's some businesses that just get that culture bit right and that becomes attractive you've seen like you mentioned a couple of your colleagues uh, uh union square hospitality in new york even though they're going into a rough time they've been quite good at taking care of the people with a relief fund you have Ondersberger here in the uk you talk what you've done yourself to invest in your people journey do you think that's that's like become much more a competitive edge as we go forward as well to actually attract these people that is in the pool yeah no very much so i mean if if not if not attract then most definitely retain and that's the first that's the first part of the problem right to make sure that you retain people and and there are some really you mentioned some here that there are some some companies that are doing extraordinary things to to retain their people which is obviously it, it it's an absolute must but uh, but that's how you create culture. You know, the more you practice it, uh, the more it rubs off. The more you breed good behaviors, etc., rather than just papering some values on a wall. Um, it's we have, as I said, we have already got some really really good examples in the UK hospitality industry, and there are you know, companies that we can look up to. And it's not just necessarily it's not necessarily a race to the best benefits or whatever. It boils down to how you treat your people, you know, how kind you are to people, that you say thank you to people, that uh, you respect them and, and treat them as an individual uh, and an adult. Uh, and I think we probably, whilst, whilst sort of over the past 12 months, uh, the pandemic has been, and I mentioned it before, has been a disguise for some things. It's also been an amplifier for others. So, and, and things like the human to human contact that we crave so much all of a sudden we know how important it is and how important things like kindness uh, and looking after each other and those who were already doing it well before they had a really good head start um and i hope that you know i said at the beginning of our conversation every applicant is also a customer i'd like to think that some customers also get turned into applicants so i i hope that people understand uh how people are being treated in companies um you know because a lot of companies have been very good and some companies have been not so good um and i think it would be amazing if those companies who are doing the right thing would be rewarded um as a result both by customers um as well as the people who go and want to work there i've said i think in our conversation last year we touched on the you know if you if you hire and recruit like-minded people you sort of you're a step ahead because they have you have a much much stronger chance of succeeding so if you can make it clear to people outside of of your world um what your company stands for what your purpose is what your values are then uh, then it's easier for you to attract people who believe in the same things and see the world through the same pair of eyes as you do and then you have a head start so yeah, I think there are some of those companies that you named um, we should certainly look up to because they're doing a lot of things very right. Yeah, and I often say as well, look at what companies outside the industry is doing. You can look at Patagonia, Southwest Airlines, Lego. There's so many great companies that you can learn practices from, which you actually can you know, copy directly into hospitality because it's a people process. It's not about a recipe to anything. Uh, the last question, Marco, before you need to, to run on and have the rest of your day happening. Uh, what is your top three advice to, to, to people out there that want to boost their, 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 probably their people strategy to try to you know, avoid some of this talent crisis? I think, number one, be kind 
listen to your people genuinely genuinely you know uh, you know lots of companies are running uh, employee surveys so they can tick a box i think this really listening in doing the more snapshot versions is really really super important to to listen to what people have got to say so you can genuinely engage with uh, with what what's important to people and communicate 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 Great, Marco. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show again. And uh, if people want to, to find you, where the best place? Uh, I know you are quite active on, on LinkedIn, uh, but any other places? LinkedIn is the is the place to go. It's the pl- place of choice. Uh, my Instagram is just photos of my family in holidays. So, uh, so uh, and I don't tweet, really. Uh, I'm on Twitter, but I don't tweet. I, I uh, enjoy reading what other people tweet, but I don't actively tweet. I'm more active on LinkedIn. So he is listening, which is a very good thing. That was one of his advice. Thank you so much, uh, Marco. Power and energy to you and the team uh, in, in the coming uh, period ahead. There's a, there's a lot of challenges to, to, uh, to conquer. Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Thank you so much, Marco, for this great overview on where you see the current labor crisis is and how to create strategies to navigate it. If you want to learn more about how you get competitive edge through your employees, I would recommend you to visit episode number 77 with Nicole Antonio Gatson, founder of Banana Pepper HR, where she will be talking about leading with care. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please share it, rate, review, or subscribe to one of our channels. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help the industry thrive, not just survive. Check them out at bizsimply.com on their social at bizsimply or bizsimplyhq where you can also email them directly on advice at bizsimply.com. Also, a very big thank you to Finna Charlson, who is our show producer and editor from the Podcast Collective. Tune in next time for another interview. And in the meantime, find out more about us and subscribe to the community and download free leadership tools at hospitalitymavericks.com. And don't worry, if you didn't get all of this, There will be links in the show notes. Thank you and be maverick.